Well, it's an off day for the Golden State Warriors, but we're going to still break them down. Of course, they got a homestand coming up, and I got an old colleague and friend, Carl Foster. He's been all over the place in terms of the media game and coaching and basketball. He knows his stuff. I'm going to pick his brain. We're going to talk Warriors. Of course, this is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Carl Foster, former coach of the AAU Oakland Soldiers Basketball Club, the principal of the Foster School of Basketball. He is a basketball aficionado, folks. Carl Foster, available on Twitter at CarlFoster1961. And, of course, you can follow me, Cyrus Otzes, on Twitter at DogSurfRocho. Carl, how are you doing this rainy afternoon in the Bay Area it tripped me out. I saw water fall from the sky. I'm not used to that here in our home area. Um, how are you doing this morning? And give us your first uh, take on the Golden State Warriors, given that they're now a quarter of the way through the NBA season. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, thank you, Cyrus. I mean, hey, you know what you do on Locked On Warriors, man. You you bring it to the fans. You bring it to the people. You bring the juice. You bring the excitement, man. So anytime I can hang out with you, it's always a blast, man. Thanks, man. Um, Likewise. But- when we think Warriors, and, and I know we talked about this on another uh, show, you have to look, Kruger, at, you have to look yeah. at, the, at the season in segments. And, you know, one of the fun things I know I get is I've got a bunch of friends that are in uh, various Warrior Facebook groups and other uh, venues. And, I mean, they're literally living and dying by every play, by every substitution, by every guy that's on the roster. And you always have to preach the old Aaron Rodgers. Relax. Patience. It's a it's a process, man. So after a quarter of the season, and that was kind of my uh, starting point. I told people early in the season, even including preseason, that's when I would know what I would think would happen for the rest of the regular season. By the time we get to the halfway point, that's really where I feel confident after about 40, 40, 41 games of being able to make a projection on, hey, if guys are healthy do you actually believe you can make a true run at a title? We know they're part of a group of teams that you can honestly say have a legitimate chance to be an NBA champion. But the question becomes, can you really see it? Like last mm-hmm. year, right after Christmas, I remember I told a couple of friends that in the media, I said, hey, I see the Warriors winning a championship. I see a road for it happening. But clearly there are, of course, some things that they were going to have to do. Uh, as the season went on, you could really begin to see it. And then when you got to the playoffs, we all understood what – what Draymond Green talks about a ton, which is they're 82 game players and they're 16 game players. And the 16 games mean 16 wins to win a title. I think right now as we're in the 82 game season, we can clearly see that the Warriors early on were lacking a couple of what I would call 82 game warrior style basketball players. They have guys with a lot of athleticism, a lot of talent, a lot of potential, but you could see that there were some struggles and we know both the coaching staff and the front office and the scouting staff were looking at those things, breaking down tape. And, and we all saw the three and six record, but it really came down to really the style and the substance of how the team was comported was not very crisp mm-hmm. over the course of the last 12 games. We've seen a big difference. One, they've gone eight and four, 
But really, I think the fans and a lot of people that uh, are in the media who don't get to see the Warriors all the time, I think they're beginning to see what this Warrior team is going to be during the regular season, which is one of the top six teams in the Western Conference. Will they be a team that will be in the top three seeds? That we don't know. We'll know that as we get a little further. But I think we can all feel a little more comfortable about what we're seeing. And, and I think in particular after the last game, although it was a loss, it was actually a huge win, Cyrus, mm -hmm. because you finally felt confident that the bench could take control of a game. And I think for them, that was a monumental piece uh, to see the top five, which is the number one starting unit in the league, struggle. But to see the bench play so well and have every guy on the bench outside of Jermichael Green, who was only negative two, be a positive plus minus, that was a huge, huge piece for Steve Kerr and his staff. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree, man. In fact, it's kind of crazy that the Warriors nearly won that game, would have won if Clay made that three. But you look at the fact that Clay, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole each went one for six from three, and they still came this close to beating a desperate Mavericks team that was uh, trying to end a four game losing streak. They were hungrier than the Warriors. I, that's what I saw in that last game. Uh, you know, NBA 876 writes, uh, We need Poole and Clay to step up. And we're answering all chat questions today. Because the Warriors haven't played in a couple days. They don't play again until tomorrow against the Bulls. We'll break that down in just a moment. Um, but as a former coach, Carl, I mean, again, you know this game. I respect you tremendously, especially your opinions on uh, this fine sport and the Golden State Warriors. What What's going on with Jordan Poole, man? Like, like, what is holding him back from being consistent? You know, one game he'll light it up and you're going, wow, the pool party's raging. Then he'll lay an egg where he scores like nine points, goes one for six from three. What does Jordan Poole need to do to kind of establish a consistent night after night solid output? And, and, and you know what's interesting about that, Cyrus, and, and one, because it, it's in and around lunchtime for us corporate guys that, you know, do what we do during the day. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to use a food analogy. All right. Jordan Poole last year got a chance to be the guy on the grill. He and Steph Curry were sharing the grill. I mean, they were back there just dishing it up, doing their thing. He knew Clay was going to be out for most of the early part of the season. He knew that the rest of the team really needed his scoring, and he was given a license to go do his thing. You know, whenever Batman used to let Robin drive the Batmobile, I'm sure he was like, eh, let me see what he's going to do. Can he navigate it? This year, they're asking Jordan Poole to work in a variety of areas. I mean, mm -hmm. at some time, he might be serving vegetables. At other times, he might be cleaning up. I mean, asking him to lead that second unit was a huge responsibility. I think early in the season, it was weighing a little bit of a toll on him because it took away some of that freedom that he was so used to last year. Uh, when Clay came back, he was able to slide into the six-man role a little bit more comfortably because it wasn't something he was ex he was already expecting it. Mm -hmm. This season, I think he thought it was going to start off just great. Hey, he signed his new deal. He got his security. So I think all those things were moving in a positive direction. A lot of people pointed at what happened off the court, but I really didn't think that bothered him early in the season. I thought it was just adjusting to the leadership role of running that six-man unit and really being the guy who was asked to be at the top of the totem pole. It took him a few games for he and Dante DiVincenzo to kind of really reverse roles, for lack of a better way of saying it. Where yeah. Dante kind of took over a lot of the playmaking, which freed Jordan up to play a lot better. But then, of course, Dante got hurt. That really impacted their second unit. 
I applaud Coach Kerr and his staff for identifying a secondary way of doing so, which was to take Draymond out of some of his normal rotations with Steph and put him in that second unit so he could play make. And you can see it where Jordan is beginning to find that rhythm again. You know, when people say, hey, well, Jordan needs to step up and Steph needs to step up, I always want to identify what does that really mean? Because Clay Thompson did not shoot the ball very well against the Dallas Mavericks. Correct. However, Clay Thompson had seven rebounds. Clay Thompson's True. moving the basketball. Clay Thompson had some good assists. He played some excellent D on Luka Doncic when it got to be clutch time. So is that a bad game because you have bad shooting night? Because everybody who shoots the ball knows you're going to have some bad nights. Mm -hmm. The question becomes, could he have made it a great night if he'd have hit that three to tie the game because they were down three? But a lot of people forget he actually early in the quarter hit a three, but they called Jordan Poole for an illegal screen for holding one of the Mavericks who was trying to get around it to get to Clay. If Clay hits that three, and then remember he had another three, then maybe even the rhythm of taking that last three might have been easier. Although one of the things that I had said before the actual players came out on the floor was I thought it was going to end up going into Clay's hands because Dallas was going to put so much focus on Stefan. I was hoping because there were about four seconds left that when Clay finally caught it, that he would use a pump fake because you know the Maverick defender was going to come flying out. And he did that. I think if he'd a pump faked and sidestep because he went over his right shoulder, sidestep to his left, it might have made him even more comfortable to shoot that last shot. But, hey, let's be honest, when one of the greatest shooters to ever pick up a lace basketball shoots the ball, we all think it's going in every time Clay shoots it anyway. Yeah, and, and look, Clay had an off game last time, but clearly he's on the on the way up, which is a huge relief. We're going to have a lot more to talk about uh, with Carl Foster here. First, got to give some love to a very longtime sponsor. In fact, they're so special that they have their own overlay on this program. It's right here, and that's Bet Online, and more specifically, BetOnline.net which is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Carl, I have a few questions to ask you related to BetOnline because their president, Jimmy Shapiro, I love his name. He sounds like a mobster. He emails me a lot of some fascinating uh, uh, stats and notes and whatnot. Um, so the Golden State Warriors, uh, you can actually bet on a revised over-under a uh, regular season win total for them. Um, at the, when the season ended, I'm sorry, when the preseason ended, uh, prior to the regular season starting, uh, the odds makers placed the over under for total wins for the Warriors at 52. Now it's at 47 and a half. You could still bet on this. Um, if you were a betting man, maybe you are a betting man, Carl. Uh, what would you pick? Do you think the Warriors will go over or under 47 and a half wins? On the season, I think right now when I when I look at the schedule and I kind of look at the field, and, and we always have to put in the fact that we're talking about if you're healthy. Yeah, you know, outside of the Clippers, I don't know if there's another team in the Western Conference who could lose their number one option or their number two option over an extended period of time and be over 500. I think the Clippers, because of their overall veteran depth, could actually pull it off. But if the Warriors are healthy, I think the over is safe but I wouldn't go over 50. I'd go 48, 49 because okay. the Western conference is so loaded in terms of so many teams that are good. I mean, there are legitimately 11 teams that I can honestly say 
have a legitimate chance to be a playoff team or in the playing tournament. And I'm not talking about with terrible records. I'm talking about where they're going to be right around 500. Yep. The West is deep. Now, there's no question about that. There's other things you can bet on with Bet Online. What about the the Warriors title odds? Um, they they're they've dropped slightly. They still have the third highest odds uh, in terms of winning the world championship. The Celtics are first. Their odds have have decreased, meaning it's more likely they're going to win and see so win less money. Their odds of winning the title are now four to one. The Milwaukee Bucks are second at five and a half to one, and the Warriors are now seven and a half to one. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Warriors winning the title this year? Did you think they'd repeat before the season starts? Has your opinion changed now? What are your thoughts on all that? Uh, prior to the season beginning, I thought the Warriors were one of potentially four teams that I thought had a legitimate chance of winning a title. Um, one of those teams was the Clippers. Unfortunately, because of their injury issues with Kawhi and, and Paul, um, I think it's going to be tough for them because I don't know if they'll get the continuity in time to get there of their best five, six guys. Uh, I would say the Warriors in the Western Conference would either be one or two. Uh, the other team would be Phoenix because they do have the veteran leadership. And let's be honest, Devin Booker is having a ridiculously incredible season already. I yeah. think he should be in the MVP race. So I'm comfortable sure. with the, the odds that they have on bet, bet online. Now, for me personally, I like to get my money in my pocket. So I love <laughs> to watch my friends bet. And I love to be able to have them call me to get information and then hopefully they win a few. So they might actually want to take me to dinner. <laughs> All right. And here's one last thing that I saw that was uh, rather interesting from Pet Online. And that is if there's one <laughs> roster that uh, had and I think still has a decent shot of winning a, a postseason award this year, um, it's going to be Jordan Poole and you know, as the sixth man award, right? But he is now the second uh, – he has the second highest odds to win six men of the year. A player who has surpassed him as the favorite is Russell Westbrook. Uh, the Lakers are now bringing him off the bench, and he has quietly become the favorite to win the sixth man of the year award. In your opinion, uh, who has the better odds of winning it? Will it be Westbrook, Jordan Poole, or maybe someone else that, that we haven't really thought of? Your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm definitely going to go with Russell for this reason. Wow. Okay. Darvin Ham's ability to be able to have a man-to-man -man talk with Russell Westbrook. We're talking about a guy who's been in the league, what, 13, 14 years, has won the MVP, has done some stuff other people have never done before, averaging a triple-double four seasons in a row. For him to be able to convince that young man to sacrifice some of his ego in order for the betterment of their team – I think may end up being the thing that might get them in the playing tournament. Yeah, very, very possible, man. I mean, the Lakers are, are after a horrible start. I don't know if they're going to make the plan, but they might. You can't rule it out. But regardless, you can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Yes, you degenerates can even bet on the Santa Cruz Warriors. Oh, yeah. They've got it all at betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen today. After us, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Follow Carl Foster on Twitter at Carl Foster 1961. Uh, let's see what's going on in the chat here. Uh, David Tapia. Right, maybe that maybe they should make the midseason NBA tournament, which all indications seem to be will start next year. Uh, more like the World Cup round robin play in. Okay, any thoughts on that on that midseason tournament, Carl? Are you for or against that? I, I'm, I don't for it. I'm for it for this reason. I think the NBA needs to do something that augments what they do for All Star weekend, uh, sure. that really brings a true competitive feel. I know they've done a lot of things to try to make the All Star game more competitive. And I actually think uh, going with the uh, Elam ending has been really valuable in that regard. Uh, having said that, what this could do is it could spice up giving people an opportunity to have a better chance of making <clears throat> the play-in tournament. Right. Because the play-in tournament being one game, I think it's really tough. I'd love to see the play-in game move to a three-game, best out of three, just so that you give the opportunity, kind of like the WNBA did when they first started their playoffs, to give teams a little bit more opportunity to extend that competitive fire because they play 82 games to end up the ninth seed as an example and they call it a play-in but i get one game you know and i'm on the road or actually in the ninth game you're actually going to be at home that's really tough but if you give them three games they feel like hey we actually made the play that's something i can sell to my fan base so i'm hopeful that they'll do the tournament anything that gives us more hoops i'm happy fair enough um let me ask you this. On yesterday's show, Kevin Dana was with me. Uh, he's the play-by-play voice for the Santa Cruz Warriors, sometimes even the Golden State Warriors. But he's been watching James Wiseman in his five games playing for Santa Cruz. Wiseman's been putting great numbers. I wouldn't say dominant or they're not blowing anyone away, but they're not letting you down either, right? I mean, he's 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 putting up about 15 and, and close to 10 rebounds a game and 26 minutes of action. I actually want to see those minutes go up a little more so we can gauge him better. Um, but some people, you know, he's, he's become a very polarizing figure. Uh, and one example of that right here is uh, Dokovet, I hope I pronounced that right, who writes, is there any chance at all that the Warriors get Miles Turner in a trade? Me personally, if you're going to trade Wiseman, I don't, Miles Turner doesn't seem like the right fit. I know some people love him. That's just not my cup of tea, and I can get into that in a future show. Um, but your thoughts, like should they trade Wiseman? And if yes, uh, are there any names out there that seem appealing to you? And if not, why shouldn't they trade Wiseman? Your thoughts on James Wiseman, well, there's, there's three things when you have to think of James. Number one, we know that there is physical talent there that is very unique. There's the length, there's the height, there's the explosiveness, there's the speed, the way he runs the floor. He's clearly a super hard worker and a great guy. But they've asked him to go from literally the 11th grade, 12th grade, and go into a master's program, and then very quickly end up working on his PhD. Because, um, I think it was Tim uh, Tim K. Tim had an article the other day where he talk, talked about the station of the Warriors system. And because of that, you're asking these young players to take on a style of basketball that is tough on veterans, let alone mm-hmm. tough on a rookie or a second-year player that's going through a lot of drama. If we take away the fact that James was drafted as the number two pick in the draft, and we just use him as a player and say, hey, can we turn him into a reliable piece who one day maybe could be 
be a good piece of a franchise over time. You would send that, if you sent that guy to the G League, you wouldn't have an issue. You know, I had the benefit, I lived in Bakersfield for three and a half years, and they had a D League team prior to the G League formation. I got to watch Rudy Gobert play multiple times his rookie year. Wow, okay. He's this long guy. He was very, very athletic, but the speed of the D League was very, very fast. The bigs were generally six, six, eight, six, nine. So he really stood out. And it was really tough for him to kind of get a rhythm and get a feel. Now, over time, they just kept investing, invested in his body, invested in his basketball IQ. And he's not only become an all-star, he's become a guy who, let's be honest, people may not agree with it, but the Timberwolves traded, what, four or five first-round draft picks in order to get him. So the desire is, is my investment in James Wiseman. Forget about the money. Forget about where he got drafted. Is my investment in James Wiseman worthy? If it isn't, then you make a decision based on style, based on how they play, based on where they are in terms of the organization being in a, in a championship window that's amazing, that could extend for another two or three years. Sometimes that works for you to have young players. Sometimes it doesn't. So the front office, we have to entrust them with the opportunity of saying, does he fit our timeline? And if he does fit our timeline, is he the best piece for that timeline? Because at the end of the day, outside of Stephen Curry, there's nobody in the Warriors who isn't tradable. Right. Because yeah. Steph is the son of this orbit. I mean, he is clearly the master of the culture that is the Golden State Warriors. Now, having said that, I love Draymond Green. And I love Clay Thompson. Of course, Kevon Looney fits in incredibly well. Andrew Wiggins is an amazing fit. They're now trying to find who are the other fits. I'm kind of like you. Miles Turner is a very talented guy. But then the other question becomes, if I'm the Pacers, particularly where they are in the Eastern Conference, they're right now on pace to be a top six, top seven team in that conference, kind of like Cleveland. Maybe in their system, why wouldn't we keep this veteran who fits our system and fits our culture and knows our staff? So right, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the school. Of, uh, James is in the place that they need him to be right now. It's all on him to grow. I don't even look at his stats. I don't look at plus minus. I don't look at any of that stuff. I look at is he learning the fundamentals of basketball? Yeah, because James Wiseman spent four years in high school, spent three years on the AAU circuit at a high level. Two things I know about high school basketball and AAU basketball. The amount of fundamentals that the average seven-footer is going to get is going to be very minimal because that's not where the focus of the game is. It's not like it was 25 years ago where everybody was building a big. So he's an anomaly in the high school and even in the AU world. So for him to grow, he goes to college. But he wasn't there long enough to have 20 practices. He might have been in 10 practices before they played those three games, and then he was done. Those disconnects are yeah. really challenging for him. Because if we talk about it, he started off the season the first five games, and I don't think there's a fan alive who really watched the games who didn't feel like James was going to have a tremendous contribution this year. And then somewhere along that path, he lost that mojo, and now he's trying to get it back. So it's going to be very interesting. It's polarizing, but at the end of the day, a dose of patience may end off being something that Warrior fans are thankful that they did. Absolutely. Uh, if Carl, if you don't mind, um, <clears throat> excuse me. We're experiencing some technical difficulties on your end. Can you just close your window and then just click on that link I emailed you so we can finish up the show uh, with a stronger connection? Usually that fixes the issue. Do you mind doing that real fast? I'll close out. All right. 
yeah, just close the close your close the window that you're using this on, and then uh, click on that link I emailed you, and then uh, there you go. Okay, and we'll ha we'll have more with Carl in just a second. Um, but he's absolutely right in regards to James Wiseman, just in the fact that um, he's regressed, and th that's an issue that he's going to have to fight through himself. Uh, you know, there's no one else that's going to really really be able to hold his hand in that process. Um, remains to be seen what happens with James Wiseman, but the good news is I think they have some time with Jamichael Green stepping in uh, as that and cementing his role as the backup center. So uh, we'll have more with Carl Foster in just a moment. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts and YouTube, of course. All right, Carl, we got you back. You know, I'm not going to publish this this chat uh, uh, this chat message that Blimey Zero One wrote. Um, it has to do with Moses Moody and 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 why he's not getting playing time. You you're a former you've directed you've coached AAU programs. You mentioned James Wiseman. Uh, you know, have he's good, he has an internal battle in his head with confidence that he's going to have to resolve, and hopefully the Warriors help him in that process. What about Moses Moody? I'm personally, and and, I, and this is where I don't know if we're on the same page or not in this regard. I I don't mind Anthony Lamb, but I don't Anthony Lamb to me is not a player that you're going to be able to rely on with real minutes if you're going to win a championship. Moses Moody, I think you can, and he put that already. They won a title last year. I know he wasn't an integral part of that team. But he did start two, three games in the Western Conference Finals uh, against the Mavericks. And for some reason, he's fallen out of favor with Steve Kerr this year. I don't know if it's psychological tactics that Kerr's using. I have no idea what the strategy is here. But I'd rather see Moses Moody than Anthony Lamb. Uh, if there's extra minutes for Lamb beyond that, great. Play him. Fine. But what in your, in your mind, what is going on with Moses Moody and Steve Kerr? Like, why is Moody not getting minutes in your thoughts? And do you think we will see him get minutes similar to what we've seen with Kaminga? Um, I, I think Moody's situation is very different, of course, in James and JK's. Here's the question I always ask people when you think of Moses Moody, because I really like Moses Moody. He came from a guy who coached in the NBA when he played at Arkansas. Yeah, I think he's incredibly mature, and I think he works his tail off, and he brings a lunch pail mentality every night. He's a professional's professional for a young guy. But the question I would ask, what position would you say – Moses Moody plays well. Two or three. That's my thought. I, I mean, I think if he has more muscle, you could actually play him with a four. I mean, he's the same height as Lamb. He's only he's only outweighed by Lamb by about 10, 15 pounds. So you could put some more muscle on that frame. But I think as a two or three. I don't know. You you, you feel that way? Or what, what, are your, when, what do you think? When I see him, I see a two guard. I see a two guard that if I needed another wing on the floor, not a forward, but a wing, I can play him as a third perimeter guy, a wing. Uh, for some people, wings are interchangeable. But for the Warriors, that third guy, that guy who's playing small forward, he kind of needs to operate like a power forward at times. And I don't, when I look at Moses Moody, I don't see him being the physical player that Anthony Lamb is. Okay. When I look at Anthony Lamb, I look at him a little different. First of all, people act like Anthony Lamb's a 32-year-old. Anthony Lamb's a young guy. Anthony yeah, Lamb's a four-year college player. Who's got an incredibly mature game, who's got a really high basketball IQ, 
very similar to guys like Rod Higgins and uh, guys like, to be honest, Gary Payton II. They immediately know how to fit on a floor with four other guys. They can vibe with four of the guys, no matter how you piece them together. You need me to play in the post. You need me to play at the high post. You need me to step outside. You need me to defend two or three guys. Think of kind of a combination of Gary Payton and Juan Toscano Anderson, except he shoots the ball like Damon Lee, who, by the way, is shooting almost 50% from three this year for Phoenix. Which I don't is know why they let him go, man. That makes no sense to me, but I digress. Go on. Yeah. Hey, there's only so many minutes at the two-guard spot, and with Clay back for a full season, Poole. With, with Jordan Poole for a full season, with Dante DiVincenzo, who's kind of a ubiquitous, can play two positions guard, there just aren't any minutes for Moses Moody. And am I going to unseed what I can get out of Kaminga, who really is a forward? He's not a wing. He's a forward. He's a yes. forward who can dribble and a forward who can explode and a forward who can make some, some shots. And he's got a pretty decent set of uh, movements for a young guy down around the basket. So Moses is just running into a numbers game. Our challenge is, and you're probably running into this along with a lot of fans, because we drafted Moses Moody and we like Moses Moody, it's hard to see him not get those minutes. But if we look at it from a basketball standpoint, if you were just going to open gym and you were playing, you'd like to play with Anthony Lamb because he's a winner. That didn't say that Moses Moody isn't a winner because he is, but Moses Moody is a winner who's a shooter. He's a shooter who can score. Anthony Lamb is a utility guy who can shoot the deep ball. Well, for the that, for the people, by the way, because a lot of people in the chat, and I've gotten this weird uh, this impression on people, or I've given this impression on people that I hate Anthony Lamb. I don't, but I need to remind people, for, for those who think I'm being emotional with Anthony Lamb, in the last five games, in that Mavericks game where they lost, he did okay, right? He, he I think he was like one for two from three, had 11 points, or he had two for four from three. He had 11 points, five rebounds. But then in that Minnesota game, he had two points, in nine minutes, he had four, four personal fouls, no rebounds. In that Utah game, he had three points. Uh, he had two rebounds in eight minutes, and that was the extent of it. And uh, five games ago against New Orleans, he played 34 minutes in that Pelicans game, scored two points, uh, shot 0% from three. Uh, I, I just, I guess, like, with the, for the people that are saying, like, he's a winner, um, when I mean I've never really seen him be a winner. It, the, the Warriors' win loss record when they play him is below five hundred. Um, Dante Divincenzo, in retrospect, for example, is nine and five. Just to give you an idea, I know they play different positions. And Moses Moody, like last year, like for someone who's a shooting guard, and you're saying they don't have minutes for him. Well, they found twelve minutes a game last year. You know, he was part of a world championship team. Um, I do think you could kind of compromise and play Moody at the three. I guess, I guess what I'm looking at is I see a, a second unit that the Warriors have where clearly Jordan Poole is a part of it. Clearly Dante DiVincenzo is a part of it. Thank goodness Jonathan Kaminga now seems to have cemented a place on that. Jermichael Green seems to have cemented a place on that. And I would rather, as your fifth player, I'd rather have Moses Moody. I think you can live with him playing at the small forward or just have a, a three-guard lineup out there instead of – having lamb that's just my take on it i just have not been impressed by lamb um i don't know i mean all of this is subjective but so you so you like you like lamb huh? like you're no, I, I love him I, okay. I, I, all right I, I love him for the fact that as a coach 
certain guys are warm blankets. They can do a myriad of different things that impact winning. I guarantee if they break down tape, he makes the rotations consistently better than other players. He barks out play calls probably more consistently. He's probably more engaged when they're in film study in terms of being able to identify things. Those kinds of guys, and this doesn't take anything away from Moses Moody, but this is an opportunity because Moses seems like a pretty quiet guy. You know, he's just a professional. He's pretty quiet, pretty straightforward. Hey, I show up, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do it well. But this team was going through a real doldrums. And the challenge is to look at someone like Lamb and expect his numbers to pop out on you. Think more Juan Toscano. Think more Gary Payton II. Everybody loved how Gary Payton defended on ball. But you didn't hear people talk about Gary Payton defending off ball. You didn't hear people talking about Gary Payton attacking the basket and creating for others. Not that he couldn't do it occasionally, but that wasn't his strength. He had one or two things that he did extremely well. He sat in that dunker spot, and then he defended on ball like an animal. And he was just a great teammate. I think that's what they're looking at when they're seeing Lamb. They're seeing yeah. how he blends with the team. And I guarantee they've gone to some of their veterans and said, hey, what are your thoughts? How comfortable are you when this one's on the floor versus this one? And that isn't a knock on who's not on the floor. It just means that for that segment of the season, they felt more comfortable with a guy who had a little bit more seasoning in his bag. But I think as the season goes on, like we both know, Clay's going to miss some games because they're going to sit him on back-to-backs. We're going to see Moses Moody in all those games. Moses Moody did not get sent to the G League for some additional support. He's just not playing right now, but we know what's going to happen. He's going to get his opportunity, and we know he's going to play well when he gets them. Yeah, uh, let's finish on this note. Um, and, and, I'll, and my last critique of Lamb, and again, people think I'm a hater of his. I'm not. It's just they, they're they 11 and 11 right now, and he's I don't see him contributing to wins that much. But it's it's mostly the problem I have with Lamb is that he's 6'5". And what has happened from what I've seen is that a lot of other teams, when he's out there, target him. And for any fans out there, pay attention to this, all right? If you haven't seen this yet, put, place a close eye on Lamb when he's out there defensively. Because what teams are doing is they're they're creating matchups with Lamb where they have their big on him. And no matter how hard Lamb works, if you're 6'5 and you don't have Draymond Green's wingspan and skill set, you can't defend 6'10, 6'11 guys out there. They could just shoot right over you. And that's happening very consistently with, with Lamb. And he's committing a lot of dumb fouls because of it. I, you know, that's my that's my main thing with Lamb. I don't like if the Warriors were winning because of him, my mouth would be shut right now. But they're 11 and 11. And and I just I still think Moody can do better. What about Andre Godala, man? Like as a coach, what, like do you think the Warriors are, have a timetable for him? Because I feel like he yeah. could make a huge difference playing just 10, 15 minutes with that second unit. Um, playing the Draymond Green role, right? Like Draymond Green basically has shown that because Andre and him have very sim- similar styles of play, right? They both handle the ball effectively. They can play the point essentially. Great defenders. Um, so Andre Iguodala could be useful for this team. And when you look at the minutes for the roster a year ago to now, he was playing big minutes, especially in that eighteen and two start. Does it concern you that he's basically out there? I saw someone tweet out that his goal this year is to 
figure out to find a few different uh, outfits to wear for the regular season, uh, to sit on the bench. Uh, that, that, <laughs> do you think we're going to see him this year? What are your thoughts on Iguodala, man? Uh, I think I, I've got a date. I won't share it just yet. Maybe I'll wait a few weeks. I've got a date that I think you'll have the first Andre Iguodala sing in an actual uniform. Um, Andre is as crafty as a cat. You ever try to corner a cat? Yeah, it's can't hard. do it. Can't do it. Throw them off the roof, they're going to land on their feet. Andre, he probably could play in their next game. But they understand that the big picture of this is Andre's here for big games, big series. And their job is to just cobble things together, maybe get Andre 20, 25 games before the season's over, and have Andre ready for the 16th. Because Andre in the 16th, we need Andre one game a series. That one game, that one or two plays that he'll make, the heady plays, the talking to guys in a huddle, are going to be huge for him because he's a basketball savant. There you go. What's the date? You, you didn't say the date. I'm, I'm, I'm going to save it. I, I'll wait for the next <laughs> time we talk, we talk offline or online. But I've got a date. I've got an actual opponent that I think you will see him. But you're not going to tell us. Well, I, you know what? I, I would love to see him because the, the game I have marked on my calendar, which is huge, right? And, and a lot of people bring up Christmas Day against the Grizzlies. That's a big one, no doubt. But there's an even bigger game, in my opinion. That's two weeks before then, December 10th, nine days from now. The Warriors play, I believe, the first Saturday ABC game of the season. And they're at home hosting the Boston Celtics. That's a huge game. I think I mean I don't I, I think the players have that marked in the calendars. I think both teams are going to rise up for that. Certain regular season games brings out the best in players, and for the Warriors, it's really not a lot of regular season games. They they just sleep through most of these. Um, what do you think is going to happen to that game, man? I mean, it, it, any thoughts? Be a blast, man. That's going to be. By the way, both of those are very big games. I'll just say mm -hmm. I'll say that to echo your statement. <laughs> but I, I am looking forward to both of those. I'm looking forward to another one a little bit further down the season, which okay. will be the first home game against Phoenix. Another big opportunity. A lot of jawing, a lot of talking. Um, just know that Andre is not going to be backing up from any of it when his time shows up. Oh, they could use him. What do you? Uh, we'll leave on this note. What do you foresee happening Friday, Saturday? The Warriors have another back-to-back. -back. Again, they lead the NBA in back-to-backs. I feel like the NBA is just is has it out for the Warriors this year <laughs> between all these ridiculous calls by the officials. Again, 15 back-to-backs. They lead the NBA in that. I don't know how that worked out. But uh, th this Friday and this Saturday, they're at home versus the Bulls. Then the very next night, they're at home against the Houston Rockets. Um, what do you foresee in these two games? I, I mean, I'm, Clay's obviously not going to play in both. Do you think Steph, Draymond, Wiggins will miss that second game? Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen? Your thoughts on that? I, I, I think we may see them stagger a little bit, meaning they may sit one or two guys for one of them and a different one or two guys for the other one. I don't know if we'll see the full, hey, the top four and basically Looney, who played, what, five minutes in that game to keep his streak going. Um, you might see a little bit of a staggered situation because the one thing the Warriors don't want to do is as they are finding their footing on the road, they don't want to lose their dominance at home. So having two back-to-back -back games with two beatable opponents, we know Chicago's got a little bit more veteran play. 
with Vukovic and also having DeMar DeRozan. So that's a game you have to be ready for. You've also got, you know, the helicopter who plays for them, who can score like nobody's business. Yeah. So you know they're going to show up to play Chicago, but they also don't want to leave something hanging on the vine for the Houston Rockets to come and steal a game at Golden State. So uh, I don't think we'll see the same thing that you saw in New Orleans, but I do think we could potentially see a guy or two sit out for that second game. Who it is, that's a different story. <laughs> and one last time, folks, again, I don't hate Lamb. I just would prefer Moody to play. That's it. I have nothing against Lamb, but I'm apparently a Lamb hater now. Uh, anything, Carl, you would like to promote before we call it a wrap, sir? I, I, I know you're you're largely in the corporate world, but again, you've been involved with basketball most of your life. Anything you want to promote uh, besides your Twitter account? Again, people can follow Carl Foster on Twitter at Carl Foster 1961. Anything else before we let you go, sir? Yeah, every summer for 11 summers up until uh, COVID hit from 2008 to 2019, I took a basketball team on a goodwill trip to the Philippines as part of a larger mission trip. And we're actually going to get a chance after three summers of being off to go back again. Uh, the leader of our mission is a Filipino pastor named June Kanoy, and he's been doing mission trips back to his homeland for 20 years. Uh, we added in the basketball part of the mission trip in 2008. We've taken over 100 uh, college players, mostly guys who had just finished their se senior season of eligibility, have gone to serve. And we normally play about eight to nine games while we're there for a few weeks. It's an amazing trip. We get to do all kinds of goodwill activity at the schools, at the orphanages. Uh, we have a medical mission and dental mission that participates with us. About 60 volunteers go from America. So if there's somebody out there and they're interested in supporting goodwill and somebody doing something to help the greater good, they can reach out to me on Twitter. Or if they want to call me directly, they can call me at 510-520-1926. And I am not afraid to give out my phone number. All right. Can you repeat that one more time just in case people missed it? Uh, 510 area code. I'm an East Bay kid. 520-1926. And I'm currently recruiting college players that are going to go on the trip. So I tend to go to probably two or three college games a week, identifying seniors who their coaches have recommended guys or maybe their OAU coaches recommended them. So if you know somebody who's a really good player that might want to go on a goodwill trip, we'd be happy to have them give us an opportunity to talk to them. I love it. And Carl, you're right. You make regular appearances with uh, the Krug show, Larry Kruger's uh, YouTube channel. I'm sure I'll see you or see you again there soon. Always a fun time, man. Carl, thank you. And to everyone who has uh, joined us on the chat today, thank you as well. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow with Kylan Mills. Carl, thank you, man. That was fun. Thank you, everyone. Thank Take you, care. Cyrus.